It is a new year, 2023. How, uh, how was your 2022? You want to just do a quick vote? Hold up, hold up two fists here. Was it, uh, go on, come on, two, two fists up here. Did you have two thumbs up, one thumb up, one thumb down? Let's do a quick audience poll here. How was your 2022? Was it, was it mixed? Was it up? For, for me, it started this way, and then by halfway it was about here, and then by the end of the year it ended well. So that was, kind of, that was kind of me. But did you know that uh, they do polls each year? <clears throat> and <laughs> one article that came out yesterday said, Good riddance, 2022. Just one in three Americans had a great year. Just one in three Americans had a great year. So people are hoping and longing and desiring for this year to be even better. The sermon today is called uh, How to Develop a Wellness Plan for 2023. I think if you are like most people, you want this year to be better than last year, and you may even want it to be your best year yet. That begins with a wellness plan. That begins when you actually reflect on last year, look ahead to this year, and say, okay, what do I really want to become by God's grace? This week, we're going to focus on two parts of a wellness plan, our soul and our mind. Next week, we're going to focus on the other two, which is our heart and our body. I would love for everyone in our church to have a wellness plan for your mind, your body, your heart, and your soul. And I think if you do, you will have the best year yet. Google, as you know, has uh, collects search trends every year. Google has its finger on the pulse of what people are looking for. Do you know that Google processes more than 3.7 billion searches every day? And therefore, that's 1.2 trillion searches every year. So Google knows what people are looking and longing for. And I did a little work this week on the last four or five years, what were people most longing for? And I condensed it down, you have no idea how much time went into this, to one slide. We'll put it up on the screen. But in 2019, Google said that the world was searching for heroes. The searches for heroes, you know, Marvel's Endgame came out. How can I be a hero, become a hero, find a hero? Who are the everyday heroes? 2019, the word was hero. And then 2020 came. And let's just see the irony that there was no hero to prevent 2020 from coming. Okay. 2020, therefore, the main search was for why? Because people didn't understand why certain things were happening. It tied into COVID. It also, I think, tied into e-learning. All of these children at home with all of these questions and now parents are frantically searching for why this and why that. 2020, the search, the year was for why things were happening in our world. Well, no surprise, 2021, the biggest search was how to heal. All of the pain, all of the disruption, how to heal, how to emerge stronger. And last year, 2022, after that pursuit for healing, uh, perhaps didn't quite lead people as far as they were hoping. The biggest search, running search for this year is, can I change? And then that's the beginning of the search. It goes on to all of these sub-searches. Can I change myself? Can I change my family, my marriage, my world? Can anything change? 
People are longing, starving, desperate to change. People want to change. They want the world to change, and they want to change the world. I think this all reflects in the human heart a longing to become the person we were created to be. Here's the problem. Where does Google land you? They put this video together each year with this really moving series of pictures. Here's after they show you all of those There's two slides at the end. Here's the first one. To everyone who sees not what the world is, but what it can be. And here's the last word they give you. Search on. Wow. Trillions and trillions of people come, and the best you can do is say, keep looking. Well, folks, I've got a better answer for you than that. In Christ, you can actually be transformed into the very likeness of God. In Christ, you can make an eternal difference in the world around you. And we're going to learn how to do that. Let's pray. Father, as we, for the first time this year, get into your word, I pray that you would lead us to to desire to take hold of the things that are truly life. Truly life. May we keep our eyes set above on Christ, who is our life, Take all of these longings within us to become different, better, to see the world around us be transformed and show us how it's only in Christ that we can truly change the world. Transform us. Help us to have a plan for our own personal wellness, which will lead to a healthy biblical spiritual community. And in all that, may you be glorified. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. The verses will be projected for you. this week and next week. There's also uh, notes in the bulletin, but there's also a 2023 wellness goals sheet that I would love for you to grab. It's in your bulletin. Today we're going to talk about what it means to have a spiritual wellness plan. That's the soul on the back and what it means to have a wellness plan for your mind. The first thing you can write down is this. Have a spiritual wellness plan. Have a spiritual wellness plan this year. The uh, Bible calls us to make progress, to press on, to look forward and to forget the things that are behind. To set goals is one way that we can aim to make progress, to be involved, to be held accountable, to pursue healthy relationships with Jesus and with others. That's what it means to say, I have a plan to be spiritually well this year. I don't know if you had a plan last year spiritually, but if you were rusty, if you were disconnected, if you were not committed or motivated, if you kind of had three or four flat tires, I bet you didn't have a plan to begin with. If you had a banner year last year and your time in God's Word was sweet and and you you made it through a lot of books of the Bible and your prayer life reached a new high and your relationships went deeper, you probably had a plan. You probably committed to that plan. So have a spiritual wellness plan. John 21, 17, Jesus said this. He said to Simon Peter the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? That's really what a spiritual wellness plan comes down to. That's where it starts, your love for the Lord Jesus. Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? But he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. When you get into God's Word each day, when you have a prayer plan, it's not to check off a box, your little achievement of the day, to post it on social media so everyone can say, oh wow, she's such a spiritual mom, I wish I could be like her. No, no. Let's be careful on the front end. 
The last thing I want is for you to leave this morning saying, you know what? I'm going to be all about self-effort, determination, self-improvement, self-optimization. The world does not need a better form of you. Okay, the world needs Christ in you. Amen? Amen. Listen, the world doesn't need the most optimized form of you. The most glamorous, smart, committed, disciplined, sold out, hustling, you know, good, best behavior. Forget about that. The world doesn't need a more optimized you. The world needs more of Christ in you. That starts when you have a spiritual wellness plan. Mark 12, 30 says this, And you shall love the Lord your God. Love the Lord your God. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is an expression of love for God, love for Christ. You have a spiritual wellness plan so that you can have a better relationship with Christ. And listen, the quality of your relationship with Jesus is the quality of your life. Knowing and loving Jesus is the best part of this world and the best part of the next world. So when you say, I want a better relationship with Jesus Christ, you are trying to take hold of that, which is truly life. If you miss that first step, it doesn't matter if you run a billion other steps that seem to be good. The first step sets you in the right direction. I don't know what you went through last year, what season of faith you're in. We like to use the seasons as a way of assessing where you're at. A Navy SEAL once said the most important piece of intelligence on the battlefield is your location. Because if you don't know where you're at, you're going to get yourself killed and you're going to get everyone killed around you. Where are you? I don't know. We're about to send artillery down. You need to know where you are. A lot of Christians don't take the time to sit down and say, where am I with God? And so they certainly then can't say, how did I get here? It's hard to reflect. Somebody once said, man cannot bear much reality. We don't like to reflect on the reality. Maybe you're in what we would call summer. Life is good. You're in that one out of three Americans that had a pretty good year last year. You know, you seem to be pretty stable. God seems to be blessing you. You've got good relationships. Hey, praise God for that. That's summer. It's the way things should be. There are tests in summer, right? A lot of, lot of Bible characters did great when their storms were there, but it was in summer when they had David in the palace, had everything I wanted. That's when Bathsheba caught his eye. Beware the trials of summer. Fall is when life starts to change. Weather gets colder. People start treating you worse. It's fall. There's uncertainty. You're not sure where things are going. It's fall. Maybe you're in fall. Maybe you're not liking the way things are going right now. Winter is when it's just ice cold, stone cold, dead. You don't know if you're going to get out of this frozen tundra. You don't even know how to move forward. You are just so frosted over and hard-hearted and hurt and down and destroyed. Maybe you're in winter. Maybe you came through winter and now you're in spring. Most people are in the spring. Given all that's happened traumatically over the last couple of years, most people are seeing new ways God is showing himself to be strong and good. Whatever season of faith you're in, you have to have a spiritual wellness plan. And you have to know which season you're in because wellness looks differently in each season. 
Faithfulness, endurance, godliness looks very different when you're in winter than it does when you're in summer. And you have to figure that out. So what season are you in? It would be good to know that and to write it down. I'm in fall. I'm in winter. I'm in summer. Have a spiritual wellness plan. Jot this down. Have a Bible reading plan. The Bible is food for your soul. Without uh, a daily devotion in God's Word, you're starving. You're starving. So if you don't have a consistent time in God's Word, your soul is starving. And you might be good, you might win your major battles, but you're going to be weak. You're going to be hungry. Uh, you're going to be vulnerable to lies. You're going to be vulnerable to temptations, to ignorance. And you are going to become more worldly because you don't have a heavenly mindset. So have a Bible reading plan. Spiritual goals include a Bible reading plan. Maybe you want to read the Bible in a year this year. How many of you last year, one of your goals was to read through the Bible in a year? Last year, was it your goal to read through the Bible in a year? That's awesome. I've done it many times before. I don't do it every year. Last year, I wanted to move slow and steady through the Old Testament. And sometimes I would get through a paragraph and I would meditate on that. I would go deeper. I would just sit and think about it or journal about it. So I wanted to go slower. This year, I'm going to read through the Bible in a year. Maybe you want to set that goal. We have sheets in the lobby, read through the Bible in a year plan. It's got every book in the Bible, every chapter in the book. If you read three or four chapters a day, you will read through the Bible in a year. You'll fall behind at some point, then you just binge and you catch up. You go on a road trip, listen to the book of Ezekiel, you know. And if you're going to read through the Bible in a year, you can't simultaneously be like, well, I just want to stop and think about all of it. No, 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 no. You keep moving forward if you're going to read through the Bible in a year. Maybe that's your goal. Maybe you want to read through the Old Testament this year or the New Testament. Maybe you want to, if you don't own a study Bible, go on Amazon, buy an ESV study Bible. And maybe your goal this year is to read through the New Testament, but to also read the study notes to go deeper in your knowledge of the Scripture. I don't know what your Bible reading plan is. I would just like to know you have a plan. Colossians 3, 1 to 2 says this, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, get this, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. If you want a heavenly mindset, you have to be in God's word each day. I don't know if it's four or five times a week. Maybe you go all seven, I don't know. But regularly, consistently, almost daily, you should have eyes on Scripture. That's going to keep a heavenly mindset uh, going. In Isaiah 26.3, it says this, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Do you want more peace this year? I dare you to say no. <laughs> no, I want more worry. I want more frantic stomach aches. I want more waking up in the middle of the night. You don't want that. Obviously, everyone wants more peace. If you're in God's word more, you will have a heavenly mindset and you will enjoy a more peaceful perspective. And it doesn't matter what changes around you. You can have a Bible reading plan and suddenly find yourself having a really bad year. Guess what? God's word is going to get you ready for that. You could have a Bible reading plan and suddenly you're having a better year than you could have ever imagined. God's word is going to keep you grounded in that too. Have a Bible reading plan. 
Jot this down. Have a prayer plan. Have a prayer plan. When it comes to prayer, as a church, we give you several resources throughout the year to help you. We want to, prayer is one of our pillars, right? So we want to be a praying congregation. So what we'll do is two or three times a year, we'll give you a prayer calendar, 30 days of prayer, and you just you know, go through uh, as you can, ch- check them off, pray. That's our way of saying we're systematically praying for the needs in our congregation. So when that prayer calendar is put in the bulletin in a few weeks, you're going to take it home, you're going to open it up, and you're going to pray through it for your church. We also have a week of prayer and fasting that we do. We did one last fall, we'll do one again in January, where we say, set apart ideally a full day where you devote it to prayer and fasting, and then that whole week, the church is open at night, and you can come here one night for an hour, and you can pray together as a church. It's a full week of prayer and fasting for our congregation. Hey, that's where you can say, I'm going to participate. I'm going to get there. I'm going to pick a day, maybe three meals or two or whatever I can do. I'm going to fast, and then I'm going to show up for one of those slots that week. I'm going to pray as a church. That's one way that we empower you to have a prayer plan. Having a prayer partner also helps. Somebody Being in a small group is one way to make sure you get prayed for weekly. If you're not in group life, I'd really encourage you to get into group life. But having that one person, you might want to say, hey, will you be my prayer partner this year? What does that mean? Well, once a week, let's just get on the phone for 15 minutes and just pray for each other. If we need to do it more, that's fine. We can go have prayer, coffee, and tea, dessert, great, whatever. But at least let's just connect for you know, once a week, we're just going to pray for each other. Maybe you need a prayer partner. After each service, we have leaders up front waiting to pray for you. Sometimes at the door, some people will stop me and they'll, they'll start tell me about their week. Oh, it's been a rough week and this, that, and this, and that. And I'm like, did you go up front for prayer? No. And I say, get back in there right now. <laughs> what are you doing? I don't know. What? The Bears are going to lose. Okay, get back in there and pray. <laughs> I'm, I'm really, I marvel at sometimes people don't even think to, to, in response to God's word to say, you know what, I'm going to go up and I'm going to start my week by lifting my burden up before the Lord. They just don't do it. That could be part of your plan. It could be part of your plan. I'm going to come forward for prayer when I have a need. Have a prayer plan. In Isaiah 55, verse 6 and 8 to 9, it says this, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. If you're in summer and things are going pretty well, and you're like, well, I don't even really have prayer requests, watch out. Watch out. You should know by now that things are coming. You should know by now that you need to pray in advance for God to give you wisdom because he sees what you don't. He knows what you can't. Do you know when Job was under attack, the first thing that was actually tried was prosperity. Job was one of the richest men alive. That didn't work. Then Satan started to say, all right, let's take it all away. When, when Job had it, the perfect life, do you know what he was? He was a man of prayer. He prayed. He prayed when he really didn't even, you know what, I'm, I'm blessed. What, what, what could I ask for, you know? Man of prayer. Also, good father. Very few good fathers commended in the Bible. That was happening when life was going really, really good. Are you a person of prayer? 
when life is going really good, or just when things spiral out of control. Nathan Bingham said, I don't struggle with prayer. I struggle with priorities. Guilty. We have time to pray. We just don't make it. Have a Bible reading plan, a prayer plan, and jot this down. Have an accountability plan. Have an accountability plan. If you have a plan, if you fill this out, if you set your goals and you're like, here I go, but nobody's holding you accountable, you might as well just throw this away in the trash basket right now. You need accountability. You need to tell some people what your goals are. Do you have an accountability plan? I love what 1 Thessalonians 5 11 to 15 says it calls us to be encouraging each other and to hold each other accountable. It says this, therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you were doing. We ask you brothers to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. So these are now the leaders, your small group leaders, your pastors, your elders, these are the people who are holding you accountable, encouraging you and watching over you. Esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Do you know what this is? This is painting a picture of a community that's encouraging each other and holding each other accountable. You can't do it alone. You're, you're, you're You've got people around you who are cheering you on. And you understand that you are under the accountability of other people. You're not just, I'm doing it my own thing, my own way, and nobody's going to check. You know, like, no, no. There are people who are, who are leading who are going to help you and encourage you. And if you get out of line, they're going to be like, hey, come on, let's get back in line here. That's the biblical picture of how you're actually going to have a spiritual wellness plan. I think if you want to be well spiritually this year, ideally you're in group life, you've got people around you, you are responsible to others in healthy community, you're resolving conflict in a mature and biblical manner, you're settled into a church, not wandering off, not leaving for no good reason, not bouncing around aimlessly. This is what leads to a healthy spiritual life in community, having accountability. You need other Christians to hold you accountable and cheer you on. Hey, I'd love for this to be your best year ever spiritually. You got to have a plan. This is only a two-point sermon. So number one, have a spiritual wellness plan. Have a Bible reading plan, a prayer plan, an accountability plan. And then number two, jot this down. Have a mental wellness plan. Have a mental wellness plan. We talked about soul and on this worksheet here, you can be writing some things down this week under soul. What season of faith are you in? What's your prayer plan? By the way, if you're watching online, this is going to be available on our website, so you can find this and print it up. Do you have a giving plan that's part of your worship? An evangelism plan? Who do you want to invite to church? What commitments are you making? What questions do you have for God? That's a huge one. What is your Bible reading plan, prayer plan? Now we're focusing on the mind, which is the first one here. How will you sharpen and cleanse your mind this year, and what are, what are your goals? If you don't have a plan for your mind, it's going to get polluted. It's going to get discouraged. There's going to be a lot of garbage in your thought life. you got to clean out your thoughts. Um, when it comes to the city of Chicago, the city of Chicago is great for many reasons, but I don't know if you knew this, but it also has one of the largest water treatment plants 
uh, in the world. I think it is the largest one. Check it out. Here is a picture of, of the largest water treatment plant in the world. And this feeds uh, millions of people in the city with, with water. Do you know that there's an astronomically high no, uh, number of gallons of water that come into this and, um, and then that goes out to the city for drinking? And there's like so much, it's gigantic right there, putting these millions of gallons of water, making them clean, pure, ready to give the city uh, pure, clean water. Now, your mind can get so polluted if you don't have a, a thought treatment plan, a filter, a purification mechanism. God's Word serves as that, which is why you need the spiritual plan first. But there's other things you can do as well to have a mental wellness plan. Romans 12.2 says this, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, get this, by the renewal of your mind that by testing may you, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The Bible is challenging us here not to have a worldly mindset, but to be transformed by discerning what God's will is and to have good, acceptable, perfect thoughts that are, that are uh, up, not down. So what fills your mind right now? What are you thinking about God? What are you thinking about church? What are you thinking about other Christians? What are you thinking about your spouse, your children, your job, the economy, the government? What are you thinking, and how pure, upright, and godly is your thought life? Are you struggling to keep your mind pure and positive? Hey, you're in good company. We can all get in a rut mentally. Your thoughts have tremendous power to poison your life or to point you in the heavenly direction. Thoughts eventually become words. So if people have been trying to tell you, hey, look, you got to cool it here, or I don't see that, or, you know, look, you've been going on about this for a long time. When are you going to do something about it? If people are concerned about your words, that's because upriver, there wasn't the cleansing happening on your thoughts. The words are the aftershock when the thoughts are quaking. So having a mental wellness plan will help you to have a clean, pure, positive mindset. Jot this down. Build healthy-minded habits. Build healthy-minded habits. The whole point one, by the way, having a spiritual plan, is having a heavenly mind. So there's four mindsets we're talking about today. Heavenly mind was the first one. Healthy-minded is the second one. The Bible uses a word called prudent and if you don't dig into the Greek, you won't know exactly what it means. But your mindset can go wrong in a few ways. And one of the ways your mind can go wrong is you have an unhealthy mind. That's the compound word there, an unhealthy mind. If you don't know what that is, you won't be able to see if you've fallen into it. But having an unhealthy mind will get you stuck. Fundamentally, you can tell when someone has an unhealthy mindset because two things have happened. They have swerved out there. They're out there. And they have gotten stuck. They are stuck. Now, often the way temptation works is it's a good thing that got them out there. Well, we need to stand for this. We need to protect this. We need to guard and defend this. We need to seek this. They think that the good thing they are 
using to get out there warrants them getting way out there and getting stuck out there, and so they are confused. You see that they're out there. They can't quite see it. They're stuck, and they need to budge. They need to budge. People can get out there on theological uh, distinctives. They think everyone needs to think exactly this about this major thing about God, or they're not even a Christian. People can get out there on cultural issues. People can get out there on things that have happened that are unfair. Emotionally, they can get fueled. Whatever it is, they are way out there, and they are way stuck, and it's not healthy. So you can have an unhealthy mindset, and you can be stuck. The word stuck probably brings to your thoughts one famous Christmas movie scene. Check it out. You know this scene. It's from a Christmas story, right? And Flick, what happened to Flick? He got stuck. Duck, duck! And then everyone ran inside and they looked out. Where's Flick? Has anyone seen Flick? Flick, Flick, I don't know where Flick is. And he's out there flailing like, you know, ah! Fire department came. If you're not careful, if you have an unhealthy mindset, that's going to be you. You're stuck, stuck, stuck out there. Maybe people have tried to tell you you're not thinking right. Maybe people have tried to tell you, hey, you need to get off of this. You need to drop this. You need to stop. Maybe you're the locomotive and you keep running people down because your mindset is out there and you won't budge. It's called unhealthy. In James 3:17, it says this, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Do you see how there's this openness, there's this goodness, this mercy, this ties into relationships too. You can get really bitter in a relationship. I'm never talking to her again. You don't understand what she said to me. You're stuck. You think you have justification, but you're stuck in a really bad mental place. You can get stuck in extremes that are divisive, negativity, a critical spirit, suspicions and conspiracy theories, false doctrines that make sense to you and people around you are like, dude, that's wrong. But it makes perfect sense to you. When people around you who are good, reasonable, rational people are warning you to slow down or stop, you're stuck. You're out there. When it comes to having a healthy mindset, we have to ask ourselves where unhealthy thought patterns come from. Let's face it, social media is full of toxic thinking. Amen? Amen. Comments, pictures, videos, lightning-fast images, they dull, darken, divide, and enslave. They dull, darken, divide, and enslave. If there's no limits on your social media intake, no filters, you, you will not be able to keep up with the purification requirements to keep a healthy mind. If you're dull, darkened, divided, and enslaved, man, you got to jump on that. Each year we take our high schoolers, junior hires to camp, and we confiscate the phones. It's World War III. They hide the phones. They try and sneak them there. They can't think of a week without the phone. Once they get there, they all go through detox. What are we going to do all week long? Uh, fun? <laughs> I don't know. 
by the end of the week, they come back. They're like, man, things got to change, and then they might fall into old habits again. But they just for a week get the taste of what things are like. We should do this with adults from time to time. Hey, it's confiscate your phone week. Drop it in a bucket on the way out. We'll give it back to you next week. Wouldn't that be fun? I think it would end up being one of the best years of your life. We'll just put the youth group in charge of answering all your calls and returning all your emails. It'll be fantastic. <laughs> you can get stuck. Here's another picture. Target truck got stuck. Check it out. Target truck got stuck. Okay, that can be you. That can be you. That can be you if you have an unhealthy mindset. Social media will get you stuck. What is wrong with social media if we don't use it properly? I wrote this down. It accelerates conformity. It amplifies rivalry. It perpetuates envy. It glamorizes depravity. And it erodes decency. Accelerates conformity, amplifies rivalry, perpetuates envy, glamorizes depravity, erodes decency. If you don't have limits, if you don't have filters, that is your mental plan for the year. Now, you wouldn't say that, but that is what's going to happen. Billions of dollars are going into giving you a toxic mindset. Why? Because it's a very financially lucrative place for you to be. A lot of products coming your way. Services, if you're not happy. I would say set some goals, some boundaries. One of the best ways to limit social media is to replace it. Reading is really one of the healthiest mental habits you can form. Maybe you want to read a book a month a book a week. I've had a variety of goals for reading in the past. Sometimes I've read 12, sometimes I've read 25, 35. You know, there are people who've read 100 books in a year. I praise them. I can't do that. But maybe you just want to say, you know what, I'm just going to have something on hand so that I could have wholesome thinking coming my way. There are very healthy, wholesome podcasts out there. Find something that's worth listening to. Philippians 4.8 says this, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about such things. Wow. Are you thinking about such things? One thing I challenge people to do each year is to just grab a note card, put the year at the top, 2023. Keep this somewhere in your Bible. Write down all the good things God has done for you this year. I do this, I've done this every year since 2015. Sometimes the note card goes to two sides. This year, I almost ran out of room because of all the things that God did this year. I could tell you the whole year just by bringing this. If we had lunch, I could just be like, God did this and this and this and this. Now, there's a lot of challenges on here, too. My year last year started the first day of the year. I had a crown fall off in my mouth. A crown fell off. So I had to go to the dentist. Last place you want to be on, like January 2nd, is the dentist. You know? So I had a lot of things written down that I had to ask God to you know, provide, to, to develop, to refine, to purify, to forgive. A lot of things God had to do in my life, in our church, in our family this year. A lot of praises, a lot of praises that I wrote down. So are you remembering? Are you worshiping? That's a healthy-minded habit. Hey, when you open the door to your mind, is it like a fridge full of leftovers that have gone bad? Is it like a locker with socks that haven't been cleaned in a year? Is it like a dishwasher that hasn't been run in two months? Do you have a filthy mind right now? Let's get that cleaned out this year. Let's get that cleaned out. Build healthy-minded habits. Jot this down. Build sober-minded boundaries. Sober-minded boundaries. 
So heavenly mindset, healthy mindset, sober-minded boundaries. The Bible says, when it says be sober-minded, it actually, in the original, just means sober, but everyone knows what a drunk driver is like. Lauren and I were on our way to dinner last night. We were behind a drunk driver. It was only like 6 p.m. 6 p.m. Just couldn't stay in the lane, right? That can be the way you're thinking, and therefore you're swerving all over. You're in, you're out, you're here, you're not. You know you don't. You're just, you can't stay clear, focused, or committed because of a lack of faith or a lack of devotion or whatever it is. The person who's not, so, the person who's not healthy-minded goes out there and gets stuck. They need to move. They need to budge. The person who's lacking sober-mindedness, they need to stop moving. They need to stop swerving. They need to stay still in the lane. Two very different challenges and temptations. If you've had people trying to tell you, look, you're just, you're just like saying these crazy things that aren't, you're just swerving. You know, I, I don't know how to track with you. I can't tell. Maybe you're lacking sober-mindedness. If you are drunk driving your life, you will swerve into oncoming traffic very often and you could hurt people. Your mind might be cloudy, cluttered, you're lacking conviction. James 1, 6 to 8 says this, But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the person who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he'll receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Storm-tossed. You, you can't stay clear. You can't stay committed. People think you're on the right road, and then you're out. People think you're here, and then you're gone. People think you just made a really good life decision. Three days later, you're off in la-la land again. That's a person who's drunk driving their life. People don't, they can't predict you. They thought you were going one way, and now you're not. You're running off. You're avoiding. You're evading. You're escaping. You've got to get in the lane you got to stay in the lane. Here's a cruise ship that was going through a storm. This is a storm-tossed cruise ship. There's no audio to this video. I think the audio would have made it even better because all these people are suddenly finding themselves tossed about by a storm. And everything is just going all the way to one side and then all the way to the other. This can reflect your life emotionally. It can reflect, but it can reflect your life spiritually. But, but what we're trying to focus on now is your mindset. If your mindset is not clear, not focused, not committed, not stable, not sound, you're storm-tossed. You can't think clearly. Uh, and this is what's going on in your brain. This is what's going on in your brain. My favorite is that piano. They keep trying to grab that piano up top, and it just keeps moving, you know, and there it goes. It's just all, the guy tries to stop it. That's not going to work. Yeah. Hey, um, if, if you are a person lacking sober-mindedness, if you are living with a person who lacks sober-mindedness, that's what's going on in their brain. They've got to stop swerving. They've got to stop being storm-tossed. They've got to stay in the lane of faith. God's got this. He's going to provide for us. I'm committed, I'm here, I'm going to stick with it. That's what it means to have a sober mind. Are you struggling with clarity or commitment or consistency or conviction? It's time for you to invite accountability. 
It's time for you to say, hey, I want you to nail my feet to the ground. It's time for you to say, I'm done quitting. Listen, this is maybe the only thing you need to hear today. You're not going to quit this year. You're not going to quit. You're not going to quit the major commitments or responsibilities in your life. You're done with that. You're done with that. You are in, you are here, you are sold out, and people are going to rely on you. Maybe that's what you need to hear. So build healthy-minded habits, build sober-minded habits, and the last one, build humble-minded relationships. Build humble-minded relationships. Holy, healthy, sober, humble mindset. That's what we're going for. Humility goes before honor, and God opposes the proud, but gives grace to those who are humble. It's crucial that you and I keep a right-sized view of ourselves before God. Because the last thing that we want to have happen is, I got my spiritual goals, I've got my mental goals, and then I'm walking around like, hey, I've read 20 books this year, how are you doing? All full of myself, getting all bigger, oh, Somebody once said pride is like bad breath. Everybody else knows you have it but you, right? (laughs) Are you struggling with humility? Right-sized view of yourself, what does that mean? A right-sized view of yourself consists of this. Um, You see, you ready? Four things. You see the gravity of your sin. You see it. The greatness of your Savior. The glory of His Spirit in you and the influence of godly people around you. If you have a vision, a sight, you see the gravity of your sin, the greatness of your Savior, the glory of His Spirit, and the influence of godly people around you, you're building a humble mindset. If you miss even one of those four, you're going to have trouble staying humble. Trouble staying humble. Romans 12.3 says this, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Hey, we're just getting started on a wellness plan for this year. And I hope this year you take, this week, you take time to write out some spiritual goals. Have a spiritual wellness plan. Bible reading plan, prayer plan, accountability plan. Second, have a mental wellness plan. Healthy-minded habits, sober-minded boundaries, and humble-minded relationships. Let's lift this up to the Lord, and then next week we will continue forming our wellness plan for the year. Let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. Jesus, I pray that as we start out this year, you would help us to have a spiritual plan that glorifies you. You want us to love you. You asked Peter three times, Simon, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Help us to have a plan Not to show off how many Bible books we're reading, but to genuinely enjoy and encounter you, Jesus, every day. To enjoy you and to encounter you. Whether that's over the devotion at our kitchen table or at Anchor Bible Institute Monday nights, however it is, may we display that we want to love you and we want to know you better. Lord, I pray that you would hear us cry out to you this year and answer our prayers. Help us to have clear, focused, pure, positive minds this year. Filter out everything that's negative, critical, suspicious, angry, divisive. Filter out everything that's selfish, our sense of entitlement, envy, rivalry, bickering. Lord, I pray that you would clean our minds out. Help us to be healthy, 
Help us to be sober-minded, predictable, committed. Help us to be humble. Jesus, we will give you all the glory as we make our plans, but we commit our plans to you, and we pray this in your name. Amen.